Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it's all going to get settled this weekend. That's right. We've got conference championships in college football. We've got... I guess what will determine the top four teams that will play for a national championship when the sun goes down at some point, uh, or well beyond that, on Saturday. FSU, they play Louisville for the ACC championship. you got your Pac-12 championship with Washington and Oregon, SEC, Georgia, Alabama, Big 12, Oklahoma State, and Texas, and then, of course, the Big 10, Michigan, and Iowa. So somewhere by the time this is all shook down, at the end of Saturday, we will have, they'll announce it later in the week, but we will have our four top teams, and we're going to talk about that and a lot of things, including what the heck's going on at the University of Florida and is Billy Napier moving the goalposts. We'll talk with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times who covers college football for us here in just a moment on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Uh, we were at the Bucks. They have resumed uh, their workouts for you know the preparation of their game against Carolina on Sunday. There is really no wiggle room the rest of the season for the Bucks. They've got to pretty much win out the rest of their game, still control their destiny, just one game out, if you can believe that, in the NFC South. And that's just the reality of their situation. They play a Carolina team that's 1-10. in 10. They have fired their head coach. And so this is certainly a team that they should uh, and need to beat. And yet, you know, still concerns uh, about some injuries that they're facing right now. One of them is not Baker Mayfield. I guess that's the headline, is that Baker is doing pretty well, all things considered. Of course, he's been nicked up pretty much all season, but coming off the ankle injury, no worse for wear. They had a very kind of brief walkthrough indoor facility on Wednesday. Not much to really garner from it, except that had they been practicing fully, there would have been no Levante David, um... And, and no Jamel Dean, so those are concerns. Also, Servacier Dennis, their linebacker that is replaced, uh, Levante had to go home because he was ill. There's been a bit of a bug going around. Just about every week somebody has been come down sick. So, uh, you know, listen, this is an important week for Todd Bowles. There's no disguising that. And I think you can feel the urgency in the building. Certainly you can feel the strain and some of the quotes and some of the voices that uh, that we've talked to. And so you want to check out all of that in the Tampa Bay Times and on tampabay.com. As well as uh, sort of a recap, uh, you know, it's interesting. Mike Florio came out the other day and was talking about Bill Belichick's future. And, of course, Belichick uh, presumably will end his tenure in New England after this season. At least that's the speculation uh, also speculated that he will be traded because he is still an important asset for Robert Kraft and, and the New England Patriots. So that being the case, you know, there'll be a number of, of openings, even in the NFC South. We know Carolina is one of them already. And so Florio speculated that he, he among the teams he discussed, including Carolina, 
He thought one of the most fascinating possible landing spots for Bill Belichick was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so I wrote a little uh, story about that, breaking down why and mostly why not that makes sense or doesn't make sense because um, first and foremost, I'm not sure that Bill Belichick wants to follow Tom Brady to Tampa where Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. And uh, this team is in a different position than what they were you know, back in 02 when they gave up a bunch of draft picks, two ones, two twos, and $8 million for John Gruden, who at the time was all of like 34 years old, I think. Uh, of course, Bill Belichick is going to be 72 sometime this spring. He's still chasing Don Shula. Uh, the team is not ready to win a Super Bowl the way it was when Gruden took over. Uh, that was a team with an elite defense, a historically great defense with four Hall of Fame players already. Uh, and maybe counting. So uh, different scenario, obviously, but uh, check it out in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. Why Mike Florio finds Tampa Bay one of the more fascinating landing spots, potential landing spots for Bill Belichick. All right, we'll get to Matt Baker uh, real quickly. I want to remind you guys that for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar, they've been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service, by helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is completely covered. Now, Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and it's owned by the homeowner with no deductible or additional fees. This policy will also transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program, and May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit May Electric Solar. Dot com. All right, best time of the week, maybe one of the best times of the year. We get to talk college football with Matt Baker, but not only that, we got conference championships all over the place, national championship implications right and left. Uh, we'll get to all those games, and of course, uh, Florida State, Louisville, Florida State, and Florida last week. We'll talk about that as well. But first, Matt, let's let's start here. Um, you wrote a story uh, about the University of Florida, as you do in the Gators, and Billy Napier after his two seasons. Um, valiant try, I suppose, against Florida State, but they, they failed to become bowl eligible, which is not a small thing. And and I read a stat that I, I was shocked by in your story that for a first-year Gators coach to, to, to have two back-to-back losing seasons, it hasn't happened since 1946 and 47 until Billy Napier arrived. So what are we to make of these two years? I mean, that's ultimately the question, right? Because he's he's getting a third year. I mean, we, we know that. If they were going to make a change, they already would have made it. So it, the, the question is, what do you want to make of it? And it's, look, I, we were talking before we hit record. I'm excited to cover Florida State in the ACC Championship. If they go to the playoff, I'm, I'm excited for that. I live for these games. That's all fine and dandy that's important but the florida situation is just absolutely fascinating to me right now because you can look at this any number of ways you know 
Billy talked after the game. He was asked, kind of, your, your record is worse from six and seven to five and seven. What, what's better, right? Where is the progress? And he started talking about the youth and, and the experience they got, which which is accurate. You know, they started five transfers against Florida State, or five uh, freshmen against Florida State. But they also started seven transfers, and you go and you start looking at those transfers, and there 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 were definitely some misses in there, right? Mm-hmm. Rick, Ricky Pearsall didn't have a great game the other day, but he was a clear hit. Absolutely. But some of the other guys they brought in that didn't do a whole lot throughout their this season. So that makes you kind of question things. And then you start looking into, all right, well, what are the other reasons why they've started so many young players? And a lot of it is the attrition that they have. And again, attrition is a natural part of college football. The transfer portal is here, all that stuff. But Florida had a lot of attrition and lost, I think it was 10 guys who started at least two games on Power 5 teams this season. So you had, you know, think about if they had kept some of those, chose to keep some of those, been able to keep some of those, whatever the, the individual circumstances are, then suddenly the youth thing isn't as big of an issue. So my point is, I think it's fair to question how much of it was the situation that Napier inherited, which w- was not the greatest ever, um, but he did inherit, was it five draft picks from this past spring, including the number four overall pick. And so how much of it was that? How much of it was... Uh, what he has done so far, how much of it is it takes a while for a program to get going, a rebuilding job to get going in this particular era, or some combination thereof. And, and I just find this whole situation just to be to be super fascinating because I don't have clear answers to all those questions that I posed. And I don't know what the answers Billy comes up with. I, I don't know what they're going to be either. But the, you know, whatever it is, is going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. I thought you did a good job of, of sort of parsing his own words and expectations, both when he got the job, uh, then after the first year, then after the second year. I mean, he acknowledged that he, he felt like there was you know going to be some work to do, obviously. Um, but it seems like, and this is a phrase you hear as cliche, but it's, it does feel like he's moving the goalpost. And in other words, it's like, well, it's even a bigger job than we realized or – we we didn't say it, but we knew it was a bigger like. I, I I don't know what to make of it, and on top of that, he's fired a couple of position coaches as well. So not, all is not well in his own house, right? Well, all is definitely not well. Like, let's get that out of the way. I mean, there there's two position coaches that have been fired: Corey Raymond and Sean Spencer. They're the uh, secondary coach and D line coach slash co defensive coordinator. Um, those aren't going to be the final changes. You know, I, I don't know how all the staff is going to shake out, but obviously there's been a handful of guys who have already said they're going to enter the portal or look in that way, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, there's going to be changes. It's just a matter of how much. And yeah, Billy acknowledges that things are not going the way they're supposed to. He, he, he can put on a, a happy face sometimes and, and talk about the positives. And again, there are some. I'm not trying to say that, that the program's it's all been tragic, all been downhill, fire everybody, disband the program. No, I'm not doing that at all. Um, so there are, definitely are some positives. But the fact is, 6-7 and seven and 5-7 and seven is not good enough. And if it's 5-7 and seven next year, then it's going to be another coaching change. I, I, I would feel fairly confident in saying that. Uh, I think it's going to – I don't think that can sustain itself. I, I think the people at Florida knew it, it was going to take time. And I think they were willing to give him that. 
And I think three years is kind of where they where the, the minimum is at this point. And, and it's, this, that used to be the standard industry practice, and now it's not. So stuff is going to have to change. It's just a matter of what. And it's stuff that we've talked about before. Um, does Billy Napier need to not call the plates next year? Um, you know, they, they have two offensive line coaches, and the offensive line gave up six sacks the other night and wasn't that great all season. Do they say, you know what? Two offensive line coaches, that's great in theory. In practice, it's not working. We need to do something different. Move this guy here. Uh, special teams, it, it, it was not well coordinated. There were so many issues over the years. Do they need, or over the year, excuse me, do they need to have a dedicated special teams coordinator? Um, the defense was historically bad last year on third down. It was better in some ways, worse in some ways this year. Uh you know, they've obviously made two changes in the staffing there. Do they need to rethink the entire thing? This is the system we run. That's not working. We need a new system. We need, you know, not just uh, changing out the, the curtains and a bigger overhaul. And, and on and on and on. And that's why I'm so interested here. Because what we've seen so far is just kind of the tip of the iceberg, I think, in terms of what changes are going to happen. Um, so I want to see how this all shakes out. Really, I can't wait to talk to Billy. Uh, at signing day here in a couple of weeks or you know, whenever all this stuff shakes out to figure out why did you do the, the things that you did when you evaluated it? What were the positives? What were the negatives? How much was just a, you know, we need to make a minor tweak here. And how much of what it was a, yeah, this whole thing ain't working. We got to start. Over. And that's just so fascinating because when Billy got the job, his whole thing was, this is, this is my infrastructure. This is my blueprint. This is my business model. And through two years, it's not working. doesn't mean it won't work, but it's not working. So it, it, the question is going to be how much does he feel he needs to change from what he got hired to do to what he might need to do to be successful. And I don't know where those answers are, but I'm just very intrigued to find out. Yeah, I mean, you're the University of Florida, right? And you're in the SEC, and Florida football, you know, the state is a hotbed. And, and all those things, the most resources, the biggest alumni – um, expectations certainly, um, but it, it just doesn't feel like like you know you bring in as as many coaches as you could. You have the new indoor facility, like all these things, and yet um, I don't know if any way you know they're they're not really progressing, and it's just it's it's sort of shocking. I I got to believe that Gator fan, you know, like you said, they're not they're not going to fire Billy Napier this year, but this would be you know the make or break year for him or anybody else in this position, how are they doing with player retention? Like now with this transfer portal, even maybe some of the good players they had could, could easily say, you know, Hey, I, this isn't working for me either here. I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah. That's going to be one of the major questions here. And you know, the portal hasn't even officially opened. It it officially opens on Monday. And so you're going to have some, some people kind of already put feelers out say stuff and a sure. couple of people have adam and Halick, the kicker from wiregrass branch who lost the job during the year and then jonathan odom from, from jesuit high school tight end who was banged up those two are definitely in um there's been plenty of stuff getting out about others and you know, max brown or yeah um, brown the, the quarterback being one of them I, I don't want to get into all the details because some of it's not official and even if you enter the portal you can come back and it's kind of weird but um, there's, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because, um, 
how much attrition does Florida want in terms of guys that they brought in? You know what? We thought you could do this. It's not working. We need the roster spot. Um, mm-hmm. How much of it is guys saying, yeah, this isn't working for me. I want to go elsewhere. Um, let's face it. The, the, the big one is, is Trevor Etienne, right? His brother Absolutely. Was, was, uh, has tweeted some things or posted some things about that, you know, not necessarily being happy. And so just to be blunt, one of the big questions is what is his future? And I'm not speculating that he's going to leave. I'm not reporting that as fact or anything of that nature. But that this is the era we're in where even the best players, even the stars can look around and, and figure out what's up out there and whether they want to stay or whether they want to go. Those are the type of big moves that, you know, however they shake out, are going to t- determine the future. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. And Travis ETN was really good, uh, mm-hmm. I thought, against Florida State at times and, and really throughout the whole year. All right, let me ask you about USF because Alex Golish comes in, takes over a, the most woe-begotten team maybe in Division One, um, and they're going bowling. Uh, Matt, I I don't I didn't know what to expect from this guy. This coordinator play caller from Tennessee um and he also ends up with a quarterback in Byron Brown if you know if they can hold on to him if you want to talk about a guy that's probably going to be wanted in the transfer portal they've got themselves a really good quarterback that threw for 3,000 yards for the first time in in school history so um put this in perspective what did we just watch at USF well we watched the start of a turnaround is, is what we watched I no, I shouldn't say the start of it we watched a turnaround and I, I think there's 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 definitely room to grow. I mean, with SMU going to the ACC, USF should be one of the premier programs year in and year out in, in the the uh, American Athletic Conference. There's no question. And then if that happens, this year one is going to be the turning point. Um, so th- that's that's what we saw. We saw Alex Golish do one of the better coaching jobs certainly in the conference, maybe in the country this year. I don't think that's hyperbole to say. Um, whatever, you know, we don't know where they're going to go to a bowl game, but those experiences, as, as we talked about, are just it, all those reps, all the practice, all the developmental time, all the exposure, oh, all of geez. those things are going to be, ex- yeah, just extremely valuable. And, mm-hmm. and Brown had a fantastic season. I mean, look, it, it, as, as we're recording this, uh, what is it, Wednesday night, um, the AAC put out their uh, all-conference honors stuff earlier today, and I'm really not one to get too hung up on these things. Uh, you know, there's the coaches poll, and there's the media poll, and uh, look, it's great for the people who get honored, good for them. People who get snubbed, oh, that's unfortunate. I, I, I don't get too high or low. I don't put a lot of stock in it. But I did think it was crazy when I heard that Byron Brown didn't get first team, second team, third team, or honorable mention honors. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and maybe there's some logistical reasons why in terms of, oh, this is how many quarterbacks we have. And, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying he should have been the first team quarterback. Michael Pratt from Tulane is an excellent player. Harris from TSA is excellent. Uh, Hannigan and, and Stone at, at Memphis and SMU, very good players. So so we can kind of split hairs on, on all of those. But the idea that you, you know, a guy who's I think seventh in the country in total offense, 11th in touchdown responsibilities, that's the, the rushing, receiving, passing together, is sent honorable mention in his conference. I don't get that. I, I, if that's the way your protocols are, then your protocols suck, <laughs> just, to, just to be to, to be frank. But as I was kind of thinking this through earlier today, 
maybe there's a silver lining here. And the silver lining is anything, if, if you're a USF fan, if you're the Bulls, anything that downplays the attention on Byron Brown is a good thing. Because, again, just like with ETN, we can talk about the elephant in the room, right? Uh, Brown is a very talented group of five quarterback. Those type of guys can have other opportunities if they wish to, to pursue them. Even if they don't, sometimes the opportunities come to them, even though they're not supposed to. So anything that downplays the attention on him might be a good thing because that means other people won't necessarily pick up on it as much and, and might not go sniffing around as much in terms of the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, that, that's all true. And I, I, I would expect Byron Brown, I, the way these things work, I'm sure the people looking for players have have transfer portal inquiries uh and and i would expect him to get some attention if it's like free agency if you will for college football but uh, uh it'll be a statement if he stays here you know that'll that'll be a real um sort of confirmation that uh he that that you know what alex is doing uh really works and and, and that players like it and i think that would help with recruiting and everything else to know that you have your quarterback situation settled like that. Speaking of quarterbacks, you were at the Florida State uh, Florida game, of course, and I want, we're going to talk about their ACC title game against uh, Louisville in just a second. But what did you make of their young quarterback, Tate Rodemaker? I thought he was all right. It, it's, it's not a, this wasn't the best way to judge him just because, look, your first real start is on the road against was 91,000 people at the swamp rivalry game this late in the season. That's a tough situation to walk into. Um, and then just to kind of take this in a different direction, like, you know, the, the playoff committee was, was had to view this as well. And um, when I was listening to their uh, committee chair talking about it the other night, he, he mentioned how rivalry games, rivalry weekend was, kind of weird that's not the word he used but that's the general idea is that weird stuff happens so i i you know we we look at auburn and alabama you look at uh georgia letting georgia tech hang around georgia tech exactly yeah Yeah. washington washington state wasn't Mm -hmm. so weird things happen so i don't want to read too much into one thing because it's a rivalry game emotions are high all that stuff um but i thought he was okay um the the big things that i took away he can sling it at times you know the, the throw he had, he made to to Jaheim Bell on the, the post or kind of steam route that was pretty darn impressive and, and he made some some big boy throws no question he, he can throw on the run he's got a nice deep ball um, but a lot of inaccuracies at times uh, certainly the lack of you know he's not the runner Jordan Travis was so that hurts mm-hmm. but uh, two other things kind of the easier to overlook things that did jump out once you kind of break it down um, first of all. Norvell pointed out later that, uh, when, you know, remember Jordan, or excuse me, uh, Tate got knocked out during, you know, late in the, or in the, the fourth quarter, yeah. the, the targeting. First play, he comes back. He's got a couple plays at the line that he can call. He mm-hmm. checks into the play that leads to Trey Benson rushing 26 yards for a touchdown. That's right. That's the yeah. kind of thing that, yeah, that doesn't show up on the stick. You know, he, mm-hmm. He's not credited with that on the box score, um, but that's the time where his experience shows and it matters. The other thing is the number zero, which is how many interceptions he threw. Mm-hmm. In a in a game like that, where everything is so tight throughout most of the game, and certainly yeah. with, with what we expect Saturday in Charlotte against Louisville, margin for error is small. And, and 
picks can be devastating. Turnovers, bad plays, you know, negative plays can be devastating. And the fact that he didn't have a turnover, that's something you can kind of take for granted, but that is absolutely huge. And we shouldn't take for granted as we evaluate his performance in his first, you know, real major start. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think protecting the football in that environment and that situation for what the game meant was was everything, and it, and it can easily snowball if, if you start to turn it over. So you did a good job with that. They play Louisville, of course, in the ACC championship. I don't know. Louisville didn't do them any favors, Matt. Not, I, I don't know if you're still banging the pollsters for, for FSU. They're undefeated, for goodness sakes. But they lost to Kentucky. Um, this Louisville team at times has been very, very good, of course, throughout the year. So – how much of a bounce, if any, they just need to win and you're in? I mean, is is I guess we could maybe pause here and get a little bit into this, but I, I, I seem to think there's a consensus that if Florida State won a few teams to actually run the table, and they did it in the regular season already, if they take care of business against Louisville, they're, they're in the picture, right? They're in the Final Four. I think so. I've been saying that for a while. I think if they win out, then they're in, and they deserve yeah. to be in. And if they yeah. don't win out, they don't deserve to be in. I think it's that simple, um, yeah. but my opinion doesn't matter, right? It's, it's, the, it's the committee. <laughs> well, yeah, so, it does. <laughs> I don't. It's I don't. I don't well, that's exactly right. Uh, but uh, I don't get to determine whether they play in the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl. No, that's the true. I got. Yeah. I got no input there. So, a, a couple of things here. Um, one is what the committee. One of the things the committee chair said the other night, which was mm-hmm. Florida State is a different team without Jordan Travis. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, duh. We, we all have eyes, right? We, we have brains. If you watch the game, you know, golly gee, they're not the same without it with a different quarterback. Yes, duh. But the fact that it was said that bluntly opens up the door to it. And I'll, let me explain. So the committee is supposed to view, they're not trying to pick the four most deserving teams who has the best resume. No, it's the four best teams. So if they determine that the current Florida State, the team that we will see Saturday in Charlotte, is not the same team that beat LSU uh, by 21, that won at Clemson, that beat Duke, that beat Miami. If they think it's a different team, then that can change the calculus, right? Where it's easier to say, yeah, they're undefeated, but it's not the same. So we kind of look at those bigger wins not as big as they are now, and and maybe... uh, one loss, SEC champion Alabama gets in. One loss, Big 12 champion Texas gets in. Like, that's kind of the doomsday scenario where Florida yeah, State is. doesn't look good against Louisville. It Alabama opens the beats door. Georgia. Yeah. yeah, and Alabama beats Georgia and Texas beats Oklahoma State. You can finagle a way where that happens. Again, I, I don't think it will, but that's the doomsday scenario here. And the other thing that's interesting, and, and, and we, we can talk about now before anything actually happens, is... Let's say Florida State does get left out, okay? Let's let's go down this hypothetical trend. Florida State's already been pretty clear that they're unhappy with things in the ACC. Um, you know, their president said we got to look into to leaving all this stuff. So, what if there's a scenario where Florida State goes undefeated and doesn't get in the playoff in part because their schedule wasn't tough enough, mm. because Clemson underachieved, because Miami is still because Duke's quarterbacks got hurt. Uh, because the scheduling didn't, you know, they didn't play a decent NC, a North Carolina team or NC State or, or, or Boston College wasn't good enough. Whatever the case may be, if their strength of schedule hurts them, 
and a 13-0 Florida State team gets left out because of 12-1 Alabama. I just imagine how ticked off people are going to be. And, and, and I'm talking from you know the Florida State fan 37 on Twitter all the way up to the important big leagues. That would be a fascinating dynamic if, you know, in this somewhat unlikely hypothetical. So, but that's just another thing that's kind of floating in my head, too. Yeah, terrible indictment for the ACC. I mean, just uh, yeah, I mean, they, they look, yeah, the ACC is the weakest power five conference, and I don't know that it's right. particularly close. So right. it, it just eliminates the margin for error because, look, we were talking about a 12-1 and Texas potentially getting in. We're talking yeah. about a 12-1 and uh, Alabama, Alabama getting in. We're talking, we talk about a 12 and one Oregon, you know, I, I assume if, if Oregon beats Washington, they're 12 and one, I assume the ducks are in and they should be Florida state doesn't have that benefit of the doubt right now. And some of it is Jordan Travis's injury. I'm not going to minimize that, but some of it is also the ACC doesn't afford them that benefit of the doubt. Well, you just mentioned uh, the PAC 12 championship and listen, I, when this game was played in the regular season, I thought it was one of the best college football games of the year. But Washington, with a rematch against Oregon, Michael Penix uh, Jr., Bo Nix, I mean, this is, to me, just me personally, this is the most interesting game of the weekend. Oh, yeah. It, no question. Just because of what's at stake. I mean, winners and losers out. It's that simple. There's no kind of politicking, no, you know, I don't see a scenario where the winner is not in this game. And there's no scenario to me where the losers are. It's not like Michigan, Iowa, where maybe Michigan get in either way and Texas, Oklahoma State, ah, maybe Texas, whatever. No, win and you're in, lose and you don't. It's a rivalry game. These two teams don't like each other. The first time was a fantastic game. You've got two of the three best quarterbacks in the country and, and, and Bo Nix going up against Michael Penix Jr. Um, the fact that the first one was so close and so entertaining you know, adding in now that this is at a neutral site, adding in the fact that uh, it's really hard to beat a team two, you know, twice in the same season. This it's an you know, it's, it's a banger of a matchup, and I am very excited that it's on Friday night, so I will get to watch the entire thing from my hotel in Charlotte. Yeah, I mean that's that that's that's what you want to do, man. You want to kick back and, uh, and and enjoy the game. And Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, I I got to believe too. There, you know, this weekend, Matt, it's still close enough. I, I think some maybe a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate may emerge from this pack, and 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 certainly in that game, you have a couple of them. Yeah, for sure. That's that's part of the equation. Um, I I will watch it through that lens. You know, I watched uh, what I could of the uh, the LSU and M game live. Was that on Saturday? Um, through that lens as well, making sure I got another you know another data set to, to watch with, with Jade Daniels. But I would be surprised if your top three candidates are not Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. And in some order, um, I I have an idea in my head how I will vote for them. But I, I you know I'm going to wait to see what happens and then 
do my full research and, and all that stuff. But I think those are probably your top three guys. So this is going to be huge and kind of the, the final moment to, to try and put yourself over the top. One of the craziest finish, and it seems like there's always a crazy finish to the Iron Bowl, but my goodness, Alabama on the brink uh, against Auburn. This game's all but one for the Tigers, and then the magic happens, uh, this time for Alabama. And, you know, it's funny because when you talk about Florida State, as we just did, playing shorthanded against Florida, and maybe they were behind, you know, and they come from behind, and they're not the team, but hey, Alabama all so close to getting knocked off by Auburn, which I know, again, it's a rivalry. Sure, that's all great, but my goodness, what a finish to that game! And um, look, this is not the Alabama team. I mean, they're they're they've played overall way much better than they did at the beginning of the year. So they they could take down. I mean, it's hard to go back to back to back, right? If you're Georgia, somebody's out there laying in the weeds for you. Yeah, and the reason I I you know picked Ohio State to win the national title at the start of the year was. Just because of what you said, it's hard to win three in a row. It hasn't happened since like 36 to 38 Minnesota or something like that. It's been a long, long time. And eventually the odds will catch up with you. The, the ball will bounce the other team's way. Uh, your quarterback will get hurt, not theirs. You know, just this, the stuff that has, you know, that you can't control that any coach will tell you there's a luck factor. And eventually that will go the other way. And maybe it does happen here Saturday. Um, Alabama is significantly better than they were when they played USF in Tampa. And everyone's like, what the heck is going on here? They figured it out. They, they got better as the season wore on. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the season's going to end for Bama, but it's one of those that like for a normal program and a normal fan base, you'd look at that man, man, that was a fun team. They got so much better and had a chance to, to, to win the SEC, that's that's fantastic. I, I don't know that the Bama fans will view it that way, but that's a normal way to look at it. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up the end of the Iron Bowl, by the way. Um, you know, so I'm watching that in, in the press box before the you know, the Florida Florida State games, uh, getting ready to start. And do, do you remember the name of the guy who had the the t- touchdown catch to win it for Bama? I don't. Okay, so it's the guy Isaiah Bond. Florida okay. fans might recognize the name Isaiah Bond because he was committed to the Gators. He was a top Ooh. 100 recruit uh, that was committed to Dan Mullen and, and decommitted soon after Mullen got fired. And there were definite possibilities, definite um, scenarios where he would have could have would have should have signed with Billy Napier in the Gators. So just to kind of circle back to what we started talking about on this show. You look at some of the situations that coulda, woulda, shoulda been, and this is one of those ones that got away just because mm-hmm. of how the recruiting process played out. And it's tough to sign to hold on to guys when you're a new coach coming in. There, there's a bunch of things. I'm not necessarily blaming Billy and entirely at all, but all all those things kind of lumped together into the situation they have because there's certainly a scenario where he's wearing blue and orange, and you saw what he did and. What he you know now imagine what he could have done uh, over the past twenty five games for the Gators. Wow, that would have been something. I get you out on this, Matt. Uh, listen, I, I think two of the best college football teams also played Saturday, and it was Michigan and Ohio State. This was a really good Ohio State team. Uh, I don't know what Ryan Day's future is going to be if he keeps losing to Michigan, and certainly Jim Harbaugh might be headed to parts unknown. Um, tell me that this Michigan team isn't the best team in the country. They might be. They absolutely might be. I mean, the, the win over Ohio State is 
either the best or second best win of anybody in the country. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Washington over Oregon is the other one in that conversation. Look, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. They, they, you know, as the, the the guys on the Yahoo Sports podcast say, they just block and tackle. They block and tackle and tackle and block, and they do it as well or better than anybody. And it's not flashy, but it, when they need to go and put the hammer down and, and squeeze it out of you. That's what they'll do, and they'll keep running it down your throat, and you can't stop them. And you know, on defense, they're extremely sound. Excuse me, extremely sound as well. So yeah, they very well might be the the, the best team in the country. And you know, as we look at the playoff, I think Michigan's probably in, no matter what. Maybe not, I suppose. But uh, as long as they beat Iowa, and they should destroy Iowa. Then then they'll be in. And I think we're probably headed for uh, you know a, a Georgia-Michigan national championship game, but who knows? Uh, crazier things have, have happened, and it, let's not forget the most important part of the, the Ohio State-Michigan game here, Rick. As I'm sure you remember, on my game day guide last week, my local of the week was Jalen Harrell, the Michigan edge rusher from Berkeley Prep. <clears throat> Let me just read. Uh, this, this is very important. The two-year starter had one of the best games of his career, five tackles on a sack, in the Michigan the Wolverines' other big game, a 24-15 victory over Penn State. Can he pressure Buckeyes quarterback Kyle McCord into a season-changing mistake? Do you remember who had the pressure that forced the season-changing <laughs> mistake by Kyle McCord? Oh, no, that's right. It's Jalen Harrell. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have to toot my, horn, my, my own horn because I'm wrong so often and so ever right that, that, that when the blind squirrel finds the nut... I have to remind people that every now and then I get something right. Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> um, that's sometimes enough uh, for many people, especially if you've got, you know, a little uh, insight and in- inside information that could have been useful maybe uh, about a week ago today. Um, but, yeah, no, that's it. it, it and it's great uh, that, that you were to pick that out, and, and it was a great win. And now Michigan has to see if they can win with Jim Harbaugh. That's the story to me is, is what they've done without their head coach and the job that their interim coach has done uh, is, is nothing less than remarkable. Um, you know, you're, so. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, the, the, uh, the Broyles Award came out with their finalists or semifinalists or whatever it was the other day. Yeah. And that's for, for the best assistant coach in the country. And Sharon Moore is on there. And my initial thing, oh, it's, it's got to be Sharon Moore. That's not even close. And then I was like, wait a second. Has he coached too many games to be viewed as an assistant coach? <laughs> That's right. That's so like, right. I, I, I would, you know, I don't, I'm not a Broyles board voter, but, but I certainly think he has to be, uh, you know, given what he did. And, and, you know, he'll be a head coach at some point sooner rather than later, depending on what happens with Harbaugh or if he doesn't want to wait around. Who the heck knows how it all shakes out? But yeah, he has done a fantastic, fantastic job um, in a, very tough, very weird situation, and handled it as well as you could ever expect anybody to, and that's just unbelievably impressive. And you know, whatever you think of Michigan and Connor Stallions and whatever, hey, good for that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I saw somebody tweet out uh, or somewhere that uh, he's already beaten more ranked opponents in Ohio State. Uh, more than Franklin at Penn State has in his entire career. So <laughs> who knows? Yep. Uh, might be a head coaching job for him down the line as well. He's Matt Baker, and he will be at the uh, Florida State-Louisville uh, game. Of course, that's for the ACC title, and, and presumably an undefeated season. Still 
uh, in the works for Florida State and then a chance to play for a national semifinal or a national championship, which is just a fascinating uh, turnaround uh, by Mike Norvell and the guys up there in Tallahassee. So it's certainly been an eventful season, of course, the loss of their quarterback, all that's gone on, and to see them uh, on this stage is uh, is really, really impressive uh, in a short time that Norvell's been there. So we'll talk to you next week, Matt. Enjoy the game. Safe travels, buddy. All right. Thanks, Rick. This is one of my favorite weekends, Steve. This is when I get the Christmas stuff out. You probably already have your tree up, your house decorated, lights on, all that. I know you. You're you're way ahead of the curve. Uh, we were decorated two weeks before Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> Jeez. So we have, we have family uh, come in for Thanksgiving every year. So we don't want to put up the decorations while they're here. No, I understand. So we put it up early. And this year we had a, a baseball tournament the week before yeah. Thanksgiving, so we did it a week earlier. I hate you, but I yeah. wish I were you because mine is still thoroughly uh, in boxes someplace around the house. So we got to get that done. But the great news is while I'm doing it, there'll be all this great college football games on, right? And mm-hmm. so much to watch and enjoy as I'm climbing up and down stairs the entire day and uh, just thoroughly exhausted by the end of the evening. But, yeah, that's what I that's what I have in store. Also, uh, we'll get you ready for, of course, the Bucks at Carolina. And the Lightning are home, right? They're hosting they host they the got? Penguins tonight, wow. and then they go on the road Saturday, and then they're back home Monday. So it's yeah. weird Great. schedule. But, yes, the Penguins, they actually play the Penguins tonight at Dallas Saturday, Dallas at home Monday, Pittsburgh back home again Wednesday. Wow. So that they is, play that is the Penguins and Stars the next four games. Okay. Well, get a little feel for those teams as they uh, match up with them. And, of course, uh, the road trip did not start off very well for the Lightning when they headed sort of out west. Well, it uh, started well. Well, it did start well. You're right. Yeah. That's right. Because it didn't start out west. It started in Carolina. Yes. Very well with Vasilevsky's first game. That was, what, 8-1 to one game. And then as they bounced out west, not so much uh, for mm-hmm. Colorado and Arizona. But Well, and they're getting set to go out west again, so next Thursday they go to Nashville, and then they get the Western Canada trip, which in, um, wow. I don't have the order, but it's Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, yeah. and Seattle. That's a long, long, tough one right so, there, yeah. yeah. Yep. A lot of late nights with the uh, the Lightning. <laughs> Very weeks. late nights with the Lightning. You're gonna, you have to stay up for those, Steve? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, man. We'll try to get our stuff done a little earlier then. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow about the Bucks in Carolina. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.